of a four-part message. Uh, team ministry. Uh, it, 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 we're learning. We're working, feeling our way through it. But the thing is, whether it's one or two dozen, God's in charge of everything we do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me have that uh, first slide. Now, when I was uh, a young man a few days back, <laughs> you'd pull into a service station and you'd run over a little cord, a rubber insulated cord laying out in the driveway. And inside the station, it'd ding. And generally, some teenager. But occasionally, older, somebody older than that would come running out, run up to the driver's window, and you would begin to give them instructions on what was to happen now. And one of the first things that was generally said was, fill her up. Amen. Now, if I understand it, I guess they haven't changed the law in New Jersey. It's still kind of that way over there. Uh, but it's uh, fill her up and check the oil. Well, I may preach on check the oil some other time. <laughs> this morning, that's my topic. Fill her up. Fill up the car. Fill up the tank. I've got some place to go. I've got things to do. I'm running a little low on fuel, on the energy that drives this thing. So fill her up. Welcome to the filling station. Praise God. But a lot of this is self-service. <laughs> so if you're going to tell anybody, fill her up, get your mirror out. <laughs> The Lord will supply, but we have to do the pumping. Praise God. <laughs> this is a cooperative effort. It's not just the team that's worked, the senior pastoral team that's working together. It's this whole thing. We all want to go to heaven together. And if we're going to do that, we've got to stay together. We've got to be going pretty well to get the same direction. So fill her up. Fill her up. Let me look, let you see just a, a couple of things here in uh, some scriptures uh, just to give us a, a background, a context. Uh, I think you already know where I'm going, but if you don't, you'll soon find out. In Ruth chapter 1, in verse 21, Ruth and Naomi have come back to Bethlehem. Someone has called her Naomi. By the way, the name Naomi means pleasant. Bible names have meanings. And Naomi was, uh, you know, she'd lost her husband. She'd lost her two sons. One of her daughters-in-law had just walked away. And, and she told her to, but she did it anyhow. And, and, and so she's back where she started. And, and she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Uh, Old Testament pronunciation of this root word that we use for Mary. And Mara means bitter. 
Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Verse 21, I went away full. Remember where she left from? Bethlehem. Beth the house. Lehem bread. She left away full from, if you will, the bakery. But the Lord has brought me home empty. I left, oh, she thought they were in a famine. And I've seen people do this in churches. They thought their, the church was in a famine or they thought that they, they weren't being fed. You know, it's the sick sheep that won't eat. But they thought that they were lacking something. They perceived a famine, and Elimelech and Naomi and the two boys, Malon and Chilion, left and went to Moab because they perceived a famine, but they left from the house of bread. Went to Moab. There, three of them died, and Naomi comes back, and now she realizes when I thought I was in famine, I was really full. I had a whole lot more than I thought I had. But I let something get me discouraged. And I left the filling station. I left the house of bread. I left the bakery, if you will. Full, thinking I was lacking but now I realize the indicators are showing me I've come home empty. Now let's go to something more exciting and, and better than that in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4. You're very familiar with this story. And everyone present, all this is a New Living Translation, and everyone present was filled. Filled. Can you say it with me? Filled with the Holy Ghost and, and with the Spirit and began speaking in another language as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. But the thing about it was that the, the, they weren't looking for the tongues. They weren't looking for the languages. They were, and they weren't receiving tongues and languages, that was just the overflow when they got filled. Praise God. There are some folks with it, oh, we, you, need to, you need to speak in tongues. You need, and I believe in speaking in tongues. I've done it, and I, I understand what it's about. But the thing is, that's not the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and the tongues is just an indicator of it. It's just the sign you've been filled up, and now the tank's overflowing. <laughs> Fill her up. Fill her up. Praise God. And then let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. I'll start at verse 17, and this is from the King James Version. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love... And we're going to talk about some of the things that are available at the filling station. To be rooted and grounded in love. And uh, 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So we got love, we got faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, next verse, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the, now we're going into four dimensions here. You ready? You ever been in four dimensions before? Look at it. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of this love and this faith? Praise God. An understanding that folks that, you know, they, they're stuck with three dimensions. They just can't get everything that's available because we've got to fill her up. Amen. And then the next verse, to know the love of Christ in those four dimensions, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And again, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, again, King James, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Oh, look at the things we've talked about. Love, faith, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, spiritual, not just understanding, but spiritual understanding. We, we've got something here that it's going to be a blessing when we fill her up. Amen. Let's look at that gas gauge. Oh, I hope it's not far to the next town. I remember here just, just a few months back that I was in one of those situations where I was, you know, the little knob on the car where you can, how many miles you've got left on this tank. And I was switching back and forth from, and, it, you know, it was riding on that, that empty deal. And I got, I got so many miles, and I know where a filling station is <laughs> that just this side of how many miles I've got left. <laughs> and a little bit before I got to the filling station, my car started going ding, ding. Ding. You ever been there? You ever been there? And I, you know, I, I didn't coast in. You coast to the side of the road. So I, I had a little bit left, but I, I, I figured out from that about how much gasoline my, my car will hold. And I filled her up. I don't like for it to run low, but I, that was a special situation. And, and, but uh, when, you, when you get down in that area, that's not good on a trip or on this trip. 
Now, we don't have one of those gauges where we can hold our hand up and see where the gauge is and figure out how much we've got left. There's, there's no place that we can, you know, like Superman, pull back and see what the gauge says. Yeah. Instead of an emblem, there's a gauge there. No, there, there are other gauges that we can look at and, and kind of figure out whether we're filled up or running low. Uh, that's another message, but you know, let me just give you an example or two of uh, what, what comes from our mouth can be an indicator. Some feelings that arise within us and how we deal with them can be an indicator that it's getting a little low here. And there's a, there's a solution to that. Fill her up. Fill her up. But when we begin to run low, we get in, in the danger area of not being able to go anywhere. Back in, oh, what would that have been? I guess it was the summer of 1964. Ancient history to some of you. Just seemed like yesterday to me. But I came home from college. And uh, at the University of Texas in those days, they didn't allow freshmen to have a, a uh, car. And so I had left my car uh, at, at home, and my little brother had been driving it. Now, that's always problematic. And uh, when I uh, got ready to... to do some driving around town, going here and there, all the things that you've just got to do as a young man. And uh, so I, I got in the car and I, I started it up and I noticed that the gas gauge was looking worse than that one. And I said, oh, you're just about out of gas. He said, oh, don't worry about it. The gauge is broken. I should have known better. <laughs> but I took off. The gauge is broken, he said. It's, it's got plenty of gas. The gauge is broken. Well, the gauge wasn't broken. <laughs> and it was his neck that I wanted to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> so you coast over to the side of the road. Now, the terrible thing about this is that I was less than a mile when I, when I finally ran out of gas. I was less than a mile from my father's shop. I had just either been there or I'd come by it coming into town. And out in the back of my dad's shop was a big, I guess it was probably a 500-gallon tank sitting up on stilts. And I had a key to the lock. And all I had to do was go in there and unlock that lock and take the, the handle down, open my gas tank, stick it in there, and pull on the handle. And I could fill up 
For my cost, exactly zero. Because we, I think about that time, he was probably running five or six welding trucks. And, and so he, he told us, uh, you boys, just here's a key, and if you need gas, go out there and get it. But I didn't go get it because the, the gauge was broken. But it wasn't broken. And I was out of gas. Well, we finally got all that taken care of in several directions. But it gave me a good illustration for my lesson, for my teaching this morning. That you can think that everything is all right. Well, that's broken and somebody tells you it's all right. Somebody tells you that the way you're acting, that the way you're feeling, that the way you're doing, that the way that uh, life is going, that it's all right. It's just a broken gauge and there's really plenty in the tank. I remember situations where uh, in school, someone would, it'd be uh, time for church and, and would, somebody would be studying and they'd, they'd want to take off from the study group and go to church. And they'd say, oh, no, the Lord won't mind if you miss this one. I don't know who gave them the authority to speak about what the Lord would mind. But they were saying, your gauge is broken. You, I, 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 as I read it, you don't need anything. You don't need to be in that service. You don't need to be doing that, uh, that whatever it is. Amen. But uh, what I say is, fill her up. Fill her up. In fact, let's look at uh, uh, what happens when you, oh, look at that. That, 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 that looks so much better. Oh, you can just breathe so much better. When I got that, uh, that old 57 Ford, which wasn't all that old then, and uh, got that gasoline out there enough to get me back to the shop and get the key and, and get into the tank that my dad had up there just filled up, filled up with gasoline all for the taking. And that broken gauge went... Oh, I felt so much better about gauge, about how much gas I had. Didn't make me feel much better about my brother. <laughs> Amen. Fill her up. Living for God. Being God's child. Having the love of God in your heart. Understanding and spiritual, spiritual understanding and wisdom in, in, in things of the Lord. Fill her up. Fill her up. Move that dial. Now there's really only one right way to move the dial. You see, that dial of the gas gauge, that really, that's really not what we're looking for. That's just an indicator. 
We're talking about move that dial, but that's just an indicator. It only shows what's happening somewhere else. It only relates and tells and conveys a message of what is happening someplace else in the vehicle. Now, you could, if, you, if your only aim is to just move the dial, there are several ways you can do it. The first and best way is to fill up the tank. That's the way to move the dial. But you could take the little faceplate off of the gauge and grab that dial and move it up. And when you let go, it'll whoop. So what you would need to do to really move the dial would be pull it over and then I don't know what you'd use, a staple gun? A 16-penny nail? Duct tape? Or you used bubble gum? Well, looky there, my dial says that the tank is full. But that's artificial. You know, we've got, a, we've got a term for that. Jesus used that term quite a bit in uh, Matthew 23. Hypocrites. You see, if, if, we're, if we're displaying on the gauge what we don't have in the tank, The world hates that. That's one of the worst things they can say about somebody is to call them a hypocrite. Whether it's true or not, that's the worst thing they can think of. But it's really bad if it's actually so. If we're advertising on the gauge, stapled, Ten-penny nail, scotch tape, duct tape, or bubble gum. What we don't have in the tank. We're not just interested in the dial. We're talking about moving the dial by making the change that we need in the reserve, in the tank, in the supply. Praise God. So how are we going to do that? Well, let's look at, uh, <laughs> I've got some, just chose some random pictures here. Any of you ever done this? Anybody over 16 not done this? Fill her up. Only instead of telling somebody to do it, nowadays, unless you're in New Jersey, you do it. Fill her up. 
It's not a request you make of someone else. They can't do this for you. I have over many decades now made the comment that if I made people's decisions, there'd be a lot of different decisions made. Now, I usually say something like that right in the middle of getting them out of a mess. <laughs> you pull up, and you've got to decide to go to the station. Unless Papa or Mama tells you, you need to fill that car up. I remember my dad telling me, Son, you can drive it just as far as you want to without gas. But don't you ever drive it without oil. Well, that's another message. But he knew that if I didn't have gas, I wasn't going far. Just however far it was I could coast. Back in the 1970s, I was building a church in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Not a building, a congregation. And the Lord blessed us with a bunch of hippies. And if, if you want interesting times, I don't know if there are very many of them left around, but, but boy, they're, they're, that could keep you on your toes and give you a whole new vocabulary. Man, like you know what I mean, like man. <laughs> and that was a whole conversation. I mean, <laughs> one of them had burned his brains out with airplane glue and who knows, paint thinner, who knows what all else. And uh, <clears throat> he came in with the rest of them. One of them was his brother, other was his brother's good friend. And, and uh, his name was Ed, Eddie. And for some reason, and this is terrible to say, but his, his running buddies called him Special Ed. I tried to work with Eddie just as much as any of the rest of them. I remember a conversation that I had with Ed talking to him about his soul, about his association, his relationship with God. And I remember a small part of the conversation that was, how are you doing, Ed? And he looked at me with that little grin on his face, and he said, I'm just fit in with a lot of what those kind of people said. I'm just a-coasting. 
And something just, just sprung up in me and said, you know, Ed, the only way that you can coast very far is downhill. Fill her up. Fill her up. If you've been going at a high speed, you may coast for quite a while. But if you're out of gas, it's not going to last forever. You got to stop in. It doesn't matter if you're young, you're old, male, female, wearing expensive clothes, or about as casual as as is normal these days. We all got to fill her up. If you've got like I had in the 60s and early 70s a Volkswagen, or if you're driving a Lamborghini, you're going to have to fill her up. I lived in Washington County in Oklahoma. It's up in the northeast, 50 miles north of Tulsa for this town. But right to the west of us was the largest county in Oklahoma. It's known as Osage County, and it was an Indian reservation for the Osage Indians. Now, the Osage Indians started way on this side of the Mississippi, and, the, and they got pushed like the Cherokees and a lot of other tribes farther and farther to the west across the Mississippi. And somebody wanted that land, so they'd push them farther on. And uh, Finally, the Osage wound up in this area of Oklahoma, and they, they thought, well, it, we'll be safe here because this land is so poor and it's so rocky that nobody will ever want it. So, so we're, they probably won't push us any farther because on beyond here a ways, it starts getting better. Your tax dollars at work. Uh, and so they were, they were left there for many, many years, just Osage Indians doing the best they could to survive in that hilly, rocky, poor land. And then somebody struck oil. And it was too late to take the land away from them. <laughs> They'd already filled in the west of them, so they couldn't move them any farther. They just, you know, they just flowed around them, and there wasn't any place to take them. So they got to that, and, and they got what they called head rights. Each one of the Indians got a a check of the royal, from the royalties of what was pumped, of the oil that was pumped there every month. And some of those, some of those folks, they, they got so rich. They'd go down and buy a Cadillac. And they'd drive it until they ran out of gas. They would literally do exactly that. They would pull it to the coast to the side of the road, walk into town, and buy another one.
That's how much money they had. Now, when I came along, they, they had already cleaned up all the Cadillacs on the side of the road. <laughs> I got there a little late. <laughs> but, folks, we can't do that in this walk, in this, in this journey, because we're the Cadillac. We're the Lincoln. We're the Lamborghini. We're whatever the conveyance is. And if we run out of gas, it's over. We're just at the side of the road. Fill her up. Fill her up. The gauge moving that dial, it's not... It's not the, what we're looking for. That's not what keeps us going. But it's an indicator. I worry about folks when I see them beginning to do things that are not Christ-like. Because it's an indicator that they're running low in the tank somewhere. Or they've never filled it up completely to start with. We need to keep the tank full. We need to keep it full. And we've got to do it. Somebody else on Calvary has supplied all the power and energy and direction that we need. But we've got to pump it in. We've got to do something about getting it in there. We've got to... Somebody one time said, the Holy Ghost is all around all we've got to do is take the cap off and it'll fill us up. Nature abhors, hates a vacuum. If you've got somewhere that's got a vacuum in it and you just crack it just a little bit, something will fill and run in, rush in there to fill it. Oh, when we'll just open up and empty out of self, and he will fill us up if we will just cooperate with him. It's all around us. It's everywhere. It, he's, he desires. It's not his will that any should perish. It's not, God's not wanting to send anybody to hell. He's done everything he can to make a way that we don't have to go there. He loved you this much. Next slide, please. What a difference. What a difference. Empty, full. But neither one of them are what we need. Because really, we're talking about move the dial, but the dial is not what's doing it. The dial's just the indicator of it. The dial is just the, the representation that something else has happened somewhere else, and it made a change. It made a difference. It, it altered the situation. And what you can see in that dial is just the external of what's already gone on inside. I never have looked in the gas tank. 
I've looked down the fill tube a time or two, but I've never examined the inside of the gas tank. I'm not, uh, that, that's not what I'm interested in. That gas tank is not just for looking at, it's for filling. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us fill the tank. And when you get the tank filled, it'll make a difference in how the indicators look. From the time I was a little boy, I was interested in space, rocket ships. I remember laying in the floor blank piece of paper and crayons because that's that's the age I was that's that's what I was using drawing rocket ships when I was in my teen years I took all the math and science my my school had I ran out in the, in my senior year of high school at the the uh, trigonometry teacher made it available, made his classroom available to me after school and I taught a math class on how to use a slide rule after school. They weren't going to teach me so I'm going to teach somebody else. Took all the math, all the science, ran out before my senior, before my, well at the end of my junior year. Enrolled in University of Texas Straight out of high school, I mean straight out, just uh, graduated one month and the next month I was attending classes at the University of Texas. I wanted to get that extra summer in so that it was a four and a half year program and I wanted to be completed in four years. So I started early. My, some of my own family described me as a fanatic about space and rockets and they were probably right. But about a, two months before I graduated high school, somebody brought this message to me. And in July, I received the Holy Ghost about the middle of July. I finished my year of school as in aerospace engineering. Wanted to go to Bible college. I was 19 at that time, and for those of you that are now 18 and, and mature adults, that wasn't so back then. You had to be 21 to be on your own and make your decisions. But I, I picked up the phone one day to make a call, and I heard my aunt and my mother discussing whether I should be committed to a mental institution because of the change there had been in my life. 
they were discussing the gauge. But the fill-up was inside. No staple guns here. This wasn't a bubble gum stick. The gauge read full because the tank was full. Not because I was so great, but because of what God put in me. Move the dial, move the gauge. How do we do that? Next slide. That means that you individually have to find a place. I don't know if that place will be right here or kneeling beside your bed or as it was with Howard Goss on a speeding train, as it was with Tom Gray driving his pickup down the road. Now, it's dangerous. Had a fellow in Tulsa that got mad at the devil and got to worshiping God while he was mowing the lawn on his riding lawnmower and got the Holy Ghost mowing the lawn. I don't know where you're going to find it because it's not a place geographically. It's a place spiritually that there's a service station that the line, the hose, goes all the way back to the rugged brow of a hill where there's an old rugged cross. But you need to grab that, your end of it, open it up, and fill her up. Individually, everyone, and make sure you keep it full. Move the dial. Fill her up. Fill her up. We're looking to move the dial this year. If you're half full, fill her up. If you're running on fumes, fill her up. But the thing is, you don't come to church. having hired church workers, and then you come on Sunday to watch them work. Church is not a performance. It's not an entertainment. What we do here must never be oratory. which is trying to help clean the windshield so you can see better. Check the air in the tires. Do what we can. But you got to fill her up. The thing is, if, if 
you'll fill her up, it'll change you. Your dial will move. Things that were not important will become important. Things that had your riveted attention will fade into obscurity. It's not all that much anymore. Fill her up. Fill her up. Well, Brother Moss, I've, I've, I've filled it up. Yeah, but just running for a day. That drains it some. I'm not talking about God's supply. I'm talking about what we've put in. Fill her up. If you don't have what I'm talking about today, if you'll believe Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to have this. But we get get so full of of ourselves and our history and what we've done and and we need to repent we need to clean all of that out we need to ask God's forgiveness that he would forgive us for the things that we've done wrong we need to have all of that washed away the waters of baptism when we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission the washing away of our sins You need to open up in praise to Him and let Him fill you. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. And then walk with Him. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. I die daily, Paul said. That sounds like that you have to keep visiting the station. Not just this building, but the throne of God. The office doors open, come on in anytime. I, I know I'm mixing metaphors right and left. But the basic thing is you move the dial. Not by wrestling it, not by putting on a show, not by, by nailing it down somewhere, not by any artificial means. You, fill, you, you move the dial by filling up the tank. As we stand this morning and as we sing, this altar would be open. But it's not just here that you can find God in, in the front part of the church. You can find Him wherever you are. Praise God. But the altar is open. We invite you to come. Here I am, Lord. I'm here for a fill-up. Here I am. Let your spirit move in me. Here I am. You're my most precious thing. 
Lord, my walk with you is more valuable than anything else I own. 